Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello and welcome back to the Action Network Podcast. This is our PGA betting preview. I'm your host, Peter Jennings. And as always, I'm joined by our golf analyst here at the Action Network. He wears a lot of hats, Jason Sobel. Jason, how you doing, man? I am fired up, Peter. I am ready to get this thing going. I know that we're a couple of weeks into the golf year already. Uh, the golf season, of course, started back in September, but the golf year started with the Hawaii swing. So we're, uh, we're getting things started. We, we're only mainland guys. You know, we're not Hawaii guys. We're not out here in the Hawaiian shirts and the lays or, or any of that kind of stuff, eating pineapple and looking at rainbows. So, you know, we get started with the mainland stuff. On this podcast, you know, we're going to be talking about the PGA Tour, mostly focusing on betting as well as golf DFS. And we'll be back every single week. So I want to talk American Express Championship. And then at the end, I have a, a little bit of a fun thing we can go through on players that will win a major this year. Have some Ooh, fun like pricing fun. on that. We'll discuss some guys we like to win a major after we talk about the American Express Championship. But let's dive into that because that is what's on tap this week. It's at like Quinta in California at the championship course. Adam Long won last year at 26 under. I mean, these guys just absolutely destroyed this course. It's a par 72. It's 7,300 yards. There's four par fives, obviously, and uh, birdies have been flowing historically here. What are your thoughts on the course, and what are you expecting this week, Jason? Yeah, so for those who are maybe new to betting golf or just kind of getting back into it and don't really recall what we're kind of working with here, first of all, the American Express, and there's no championship, there's no classic, there's no open on the end of it. It sounds really weird when we say the American Express, that that's the name of the tournament now. That's the title sponsor, and there's there's no suffix to it, which I, I think is a little weird. But in any case, it's the old Humana, the old Bob Hope, the old uh, Chrysler Classic. Uh, we can go on and on. The, the Career Builder Championship, the Desert Classic. It, this has been through a lot of generations of names over the years, but is now being called the American Express this year. That said, it's the same old tournament. We know what to expect. It's a... Three round, no matter what, 54 hole kind of event. It used to be, this used to be a five round event and you were guaranteed four rounds and the players used to love it. I remember talking to Joey Sindelar back in the day who lived in upstate New York and he'd say, I don't even take out my clubs until I get off the plane in California. And then I said, okay, I got four rounds no matter what and 72 holes, I can go figure it out and then I can move on with my season. You're going to see some players kind of shaking off the rust this week and guys that, um, that know they're going to get 54 holes in of competitive golf, no matter what that said, it's a pro-am. I always think of these pro-am deals like this and like at Pebble beach patience is a virtue. I know it sounds like a cliche, but you've got to look at guys and there's no PGA tour statistic. There's no analytic for figuring out patience, but you've got to look for the guys that, you know, they can kind of ride the ebb and flow. Look, your, your 16 handicap partner is going to hit one way left in the desert. And you're going to have to go over there and look for it for a few minutes. It's going to hit one way right. You're going to have to go over there. It's going to take a while. There's going to be some five and a half, six hour rounds out there. The guys that can weather the storm metaphorically are going to be the guys uh, that find themselves on the leaderboard. So it's an event where over the last decade, we've seen the cream of the crop. We've seen John Rahm and Patrick Reed win this golf tournament. We've seen 
kind of no names, unknowns. Adam Long, it was a great story last year, but he beats Adam Hadwin and Phil Mickelson on the last hole to win this golf tournament. No one really knew much about Adam Long before that. We've seen long hitters like Jonathan Vegas. We've seen short hitters like Brian Gay and, and Mark Wilson. We've seen Billy Haas twice win this golf tournament. He's the all-time leading money winner at this one. So uh, really, there's no sort of set type of player that can go out and win this golf tournament. Uh, I start looking down the list. There's some good players in the field this year. Phil Mickelson, who I mentioned, a runner-up finish last year. He's one year before. He's now the the official tournament host. Maybe that helps him. Maybe that hurts him. Uh, I, I'm kind of sitting the fence. Uh, I'm straddling right now on Phil. I'm not really all in. I'm certainly not out on Phil. If you happen to like Phil this week, I'm okay with it. I think he's going to sway a lot of people based on his social media posts saying, hey, I'm hitting bombs. It's only 52 degrees out here, but look at me. People are going, ooh, I saw Phil on social media. I think I'm going to pick him. I don't know. That's necessarily the the way or the reason you want to start picking guys for uh, whether it's uh, for outright bets, for top 10s, top 20s, for DFS lineups. I, I you know, Make sure you look at everybody's Instagram and Twitter before you start picking guys that way. But that said, there is no profile for winning this golf tournament, which I I think makes it one of the more difficult ones on the annual schedule. Yeah, it is tricky, you know, looking at this. I mean, I do think par five scoring is really important, uh, specifically on that championship course. Um, And people, they have just torn it up with the the three different courses. So that's something I'm looking at, as well as birdie making, obviously, in DFS, which is always important. But certain weeks, like last week, uh, you know, at the Sony, uh, given that it was a par 70 and we had some weather conditions, I I really focused on trying to find guys that I thought would, uh, you know, basically make the cut and uh, avoid the disaster because that's really what it was uh, about last week. I mean, there's obviously the two par fives uh, where everyone was eating those up. But outside of that, it was really about avoiding the big number and uh, the weather certainly played a big factor. And I think that's something really important to take into account every week is analyzing the weather. We'll talk about that. Obviously, we're recording this podcast before it happens, uh, the event. So Wednesday night, Thursday morning, uh, if you can take additional looks at the weather, that's a big factor. Uh, not seeing too much this week, but we will address that. Obviously, there's huge angles and edges to be had, especially at events like the Open Championship and uh, a little bit of a weather angle came to fruition last week. Uh, looking specifically at this tournament, uh, we do have a decent field here, you know, headlined by Ricky Fowler, who's the favorite. I actually think the favorite should be Sung J.M., uh, who's been just mm-hmm. dynamite and uh you know, outside of a, a triple bogey, I believe he had in his last round, and one of the last couple of holes was looking pretty good last week. Uh, you have Paul Casey, Tony Finau, Young Hun On, Billy Horschel, Cameron Champ, Charles Howell. Uh, out of the favorite Sobel, uh, who would you feel most comfortable locking in as like your top end DFS play or uh, a guy that you're looking at in matchups of the top end guys? So I really don't love a lot of the top end guys. And first, before I get into this, there are some definite edges here. First of all, I, I like guys who are coming over from the Sony. I like guys who at least have a tournament under their belts this year, who have played already, gotten those competitive juices flowing. That's it. I just don't love a lot of the guys coming over from the Sony. So it's sort of a catch 22 just a little bit, but I feel like the, the low end wins and we're it's at most, it looks like a one club win throughout the week and maybe not even. So I think these guys are almost going to feel like they're, they're taking the donut off the bat just a little bit where they go, man, last week was really tough conditions. Now we come here and it just feels a lot easier. No winner over the last 10 years has been worse than 20 under par at this event. And the best has been 30 under par. So 
like you said earlier, birdies are going to come in bunches. If you're looking at a DFS lineup, as I mentioned, I, I think obviously you want guys that are playing four rounds, but you get at least three rounds from everybody. So I think making birdies is a uh, bigger decision maker than in most other weeks. And granted, that's hard to figure out, you know, who's making a lot of birdies. Granted, those are going to be the players who are on the leaderboard no matter what. But if you can find guys who have a higher birdie average, I really like those guys. If the top end plays, frankly, I, I just don't love a whole lot of them. I, Ricky, Ricky started out okay in Hawaii. I, I don't necessarily mind Ricky. Francesco Molinari is not a guy that uh, I really like at this golf course. The one guy that struck me, uh, especially with uh, the wins not being what they've been here in the past, is Paul Casey. And not necessarily for an outright bet, but I have him on my weekly column as my, what I call, the DFS free bingo square. And that's a safe plug and play option for your lineups this week. And that's because since last year's Masters, he's only missed the cut once. That was at the Italian Open over on the European Tour. And he had won uh, in his last start before that. So he was playing well and just happened to miss a cut. But other than that, Paul Casey's usually around at least, you know, we're looking at a top 20, top 25 uh, low end for Paul Casey. So I think that He's a guy that can come out and at least play well. At least if you're like, hey, I'm looking for an anchor for my lineup this week, I can plug in Paul Casey. As far as my favorite this week, it's not a name that you mentioned. I've been banging the drum for a while for Scotty Scheffler. I get it. He's a rookie. I get it. He hasn't been around much. And quite frankly, I'd really prefer a guy who's played this tournament before. It's hard to get a grasp of three different tournament host venues as opposed to just one. I mean, if he was coming to this event and they said, hey, we just play PGA West four straight days, I'd say, okay, we'll practice round on Monday, play again on Tuesday, pro-am on Wednesday. By the time he gets to Thursday morning, said, yeah, I know the course, no problem. But the fact that they play the Nicholas Tournament course and La Quinta as well says to me that, you know, it's it, at some point he's going to get to a course, he's going to get to a shot, he's going to get somewhere and he's going to say, what do I do here? I don't quite get it. That said, I think he's good enough that he can go out and win on any given week. I've been banging the drum for him for a while now. If you think it's a shot in the dark, how about this fact? Scotty Scheffler right now is a rookie on the PGA Tour, is ranked 13 spots higher on the world ranking than some guy named Phil Mickelson, the tournament host this week. I like that call. I think that's a sharp call. And he's definitely getting respect uh, in the industry, uh, especially in the betting markets. Um, He's not near the favorites, like you mentioned, but uh, you know, he's like anywhere in the 33 to 50 to one. And as matchups come out, I do think he'll be a favorite uh, depending on who he's matched up against. Uh, You know, I think he's in like that 15 to 20th ranked player in the field, maybe even a little bit higher depending where you're looking. So I think that's a really sharp call Uh, at the top end. I still think Sungjae might be a smidge undervalued. He's been so consistent. And, you know, one thing I'm looking at here is par five scoring. And based on last year, 2019, Sungjae M has the best par five scoring of anyone in the field. So I think that's something to pay attention to. Uh, I think he's capable of rattling off a ton of birdies. He's one of the best ball strikers out there. Really, the only thing that kind of has held him back is, is putting a little bit. And I think that'll be neutralized here uh, around these courses. So he's my favorite top end. As we get down to the cheap guys or some of the, the cheap guys specifically on DraftKings, one guy stands out to me in a big way, and that's Aaron Wise, uh, who yeah. is the perfect DraftKings player. And he'll probably end up being really chalky. So in DFS golf, if someone ends up being really chalky, there's a lot of merit in fading them. But just from an equity standpoint, maybe more cash game for, formats, Aaron Wise makes a ton of sense to me. And to your point about, you know, birdies, Scotty Scheffler uh, made a ton of birdies relatively last year. And I think coming into this this tournament, you know, you can look to Aaron Wise, who 
last year was, you know, top five in weighted birdie average. You know, the guy, other guys in that list were Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, and Gary Woodland. So Aaron Wise is a DFS dream. He makes a ton of birdies, makes a lot of bogeys, but given the format and the scoring on DraftKings, I think he makes a ton of sense. And he's also, you know, a, a really talented player who bombs it, who I think can eat up these par fives. The downside is just the variance in this game, but he's one of my favorite uh, cheap guys. What about you, Sobel? Jennings, you're speaking my language. I am so bullish on Aaron Wise this year. In fact, I write an annual column, uh, yearly preview called The Leap. I've been doing it for probably 15 years now where I pick guys, sort of a guy can go from a very good player to a major champion. A guy can go from a you know journeyman to a, a PGA Tour winner. Aaron Wise, I've got as a major championship contender. And I said, look, this is kind of twofold because right now, Aaron Wise isn't in any of the four majors. So not only do I think he's going to play well to get into the majors, I think at some point he's going to contend for a major. This guy was all everything as a collegiate player, already has a couple of wins on the PGA Tour, did not play his best golf last season, but I am very bullish on him. In fact, I've got him in my column this week, my preview column for the American Express as first round leader. That said, first of all, as we tape right now, the tee times are not out. So you probably want to look at La Quinta had a first round scoring average of 69.423 last year. The Nicholas tournament course, 69.712, 70.885, the PGA West stadium course. So it kind of depends which player is playing where you want to get guys at La Quinta probably, which is the easiest of the three courses. But I do like Aaron Wise, not just for a first round leader, but I, I think he plays uh, really well. Not only this week, but like I said, throughout the season, he's a guy that I, I'm going to mention his name a multitude of times. So I, I really like him. I'm going to go through a little rapid fire format, getting through a bunch of other guys I like. Adam Hadwin is sort of the nuts play at this place. He has a second, a third, and a second in the last three years. This guy absolutely creams this tournament. And you know what? He's going to kill some OAD pools because he is not in the field this week. His wife, Jessica, just had a baby this past week. Congratulations to the Hadwin family. But all of a sudden, Adam Hadwin, maybe the favorite, at least based on course history over the last couple of years, he's not there. I'm going to look at another Canadian. Nick Taylor has been playing some good golf lately, trending in the right direction, struck the ball really well at the Sony Open last week. I like Nick Taylor, another guy who I was on. I almost had him as my guy to win, but his ball striking was really poor on the weekend at YLI. Andrew Putnam plays really well in West Coast events. Man, it, if he didn't strike the ball so poorly this past weekend, he might have been my guy this week. I do think that he can figure it out pretty quickly, but uh, my confidence is waning just a little bit based on how he played. Jason Kokrak is a guy, another name you're going to hear a lot of out of my mouth over the next uh, six months because, first of all, he plays a lot of golf. Secondly, he plays really consistent golf, which is impressive for a guy who's sort of a bomb and gouge type of player that hits it a long way and then kind of wedges his way into the greens. But I think Kokrak's a guy that can make some noise. Harris English is sort of a pseudo doppelganger for his good buddy Hudson Swafford, who won here three years ago. If Hudson Swafford can do it, Harris English can do it. He had three top fives and one sixth place finish back in the fall start of this season. So I, I really like English for another top five. I think that's a nice bet. Uh, Scott Harrington, a guy that plays a lot of desert golf, a guy who's one of the best stories in golf. Uh, I think this should suit his game really well. I like Scott Harrington to play well. Taylor Gooch 
is a ball striker, a young ball striker whose name I never hear get mentioned. He was 15th on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach shots. He was fourth at this event last year and then followed up with a third place finish at the Farmers Insurance Open before getting injured and dealing with that for a little bit. But Taylor Gooch is better than most people realize. And the last guy in this rapid fire guy who finished runner-up this past week, Brandon Steele. He's played some really strong golf in the desert before. T2 back in 2015, 34th in 2016, 6th in 17, 20th in 18. I would ignore that T57 from last year. He missed the cut. He, he had three rounds in the 60s and then shot 72 on the final day, but wasn't playing his best golf at that point. I think, again, coming off the momentum of this week's playoff loss, I think Steele is going to have another really good week. Yeah, I love his current form, and his ball striking was looking really nice. Watched a lot of his drives. I don't know how long he's been doing this, but he hit a lot of fades off the tee, which I see a lot of pros going for. I remember uh, he used to hit a lot of – I mean, he's always had a ton of power off the tee, a lot more big draws, and maybe that's something that he's been working on that looked really, really good to me, some really nice butter fades. Um, And obviously his current form is great. And, uh, you know, this is more of a local spot like you mentioned, and, uh, of course, always going to be excited about Brendan Steele. He's 7,500 on DraftKings, which I think is a really nice price. A lot of guys that I like are kind of in this range. I mentioned Aaron Wise. He's only 7,300. I think he's an absolute standout value. You have Adam Long, who won last year, 7,200. And granted, his his play hasn't been as good uh, lately, but he's still certainly interesting to me at that price tag. We'll see uh, if people will be on him since he won there last year. Uh, Sebastian Munoz at 7,400 is another player that I think is just really underrated. Did miss the cut of the Sony, but was playing well before that, played well at the RSM. I was all over him last week, Peter. I loved him last week. I had him in cash games, so uh, I thought he was a really good play. And then someone who – this I normally like to play Von Taylor at more accuracy-driven courses. Really uh, Awesome. I mean, you look at his last three finishes. You know, he goes tied second at the Mayakoba, 10th at the RSM, and then 12th last week. He shot 66-67 on the weekend, which I actually buy into that. I think, uh, you know, the most recent form, uh, including the weekend stuff, is something to take into account from the the previous week. And you ended up a couple other guys for for DFS. I think Kokrak makes a ton of sense with his power. He's someone who can just absolutely destroy these par fives. And at 9,100, he might be a little more expensive than some other guys who could end up being chalk like Matt Wolf or uh, Phil Mickelson. So, that's something I'm always trying to do in DFS is find guys who are in that same price range as some chalkier options. So I'm with you on a lot of those calls. Um, I think it's a, it should set up for a really good week. And I hope Steely comes out and wins. That would be absolutely awesome. If you had to pick a winner this week, just one guy, who would it be? Well, first of all, Brendan Steele has already promised that he would be on the pod. He, he was going to come on the pod for this one, but he was traveling at the time we're taping. So I gave him a free pass, but he will be on the pod soon, especially after he wins this week. We will definitely have an exclusive pod with him next week. And then uh, as far as winner, it's the guy that I mentioned right off the top. I, I'm going with Scotty Scheffler as my winner. Oh, on a scale of one to 10, I'm somewhere in a five to six confidence level with that. Uh, you know, we're never totally confident, but sometimes you just kind of feel a guy, even if it doesn't happen, you're like, man, I really think it's going to be this guy's week. Like I said, I, I'd like to take a guy who's played this golf course or played this tournament before and knows all three golf courses. I'd like to take a guy that played the Sony and is kind of battle tested just a little bit as opposed to coming in cold off practice rounds back at home. That said, I just think Scheffler is so good. I think he's primed and ready to win at some point very soon had a great record back in the fall i mean this is a guy who uh had i believe what four 
top seven finishes or three top seven finishes during the fall start to the season. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hesitate to sort of, uh, bring these guys up who are young players and, you know, try to raise the bar of expectations for them too high. But Scheffler's a guy that you have to do it for. In fact, one caddy told me on the PJ tour, and it was not Scheffler's caddy. He was at Byron Nelson last year. He said, look, Brooks Kepka is playing in this field. He's the best player in this field. The second best player at the Byron Nelson. He didn't have the card at that point. He said was Scotty Scheffler. So uh, that spoke volumes for me. And that really sort of started the, alarms ringing for me that Scotty Scheffler is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Is your guy uh, staying this week? Is that one guy if you had to pick to win? Yeah, I'm taking Sungjae if I had to pick one guy, which is a chalky answer. He's the number two favorite in the field right now, but I, I think he is uh, going to have an incredible year, and this is a perfect situation for him. Do we have a problem if a guy has never won before and is the second favorite in the field? That's I, I love picking guys who have never won because at some point, if you're good enough, you're going to win on the PGA Tour. I've always just had a little problem. We've had it a couple of times when in sort of lower end PGA tour events, Tony Finau has been right up there. All he's won so far is an alternate field event uh, against some guys who aren't necessarily the best of the best. I, I just have a little bit of a problem when a guy hasn't won and his odds are that low against an entire field. For sure. And and I wouldn't advocate for uh, going with the uh, outright winners. I think there's seldom uh, good value uh, on outright winners. I know it's a lot of fun, uh, and in general, you want to so take underdogs. <laughs> um, so in that in that that mold, I wouldn't actually fire them on that. But that's just the guy. If I had to pick someone that I I would take Sungjae to win. Uh, I'll oh, go with Jennings, outright winners and twelve team parlays. That's what we're all about here. Yeah, all, all the really fun bets. I, I guess I'd take Aaron Wise as one. Uh, he's anywhere from eighty to hundred to one. And if you are betting these outrights, make sure whatever options you have in terms of books, you are shopping for the best price, especially on these outrights you can see some pretty wild discrepancies between the prices. So that's something I'm always trying to to do. And uh, Aaron Wise, uh, on the places I'm looking, he's anywhere from like 75 to 100 to 1. So at 100 to 1, I actually like Aaron Wise, and that would be my outright winner. Um, any final thoughts on the American Express Championship before we dive into some bigger predictions and uh, futures on the PGA Tour this year? I was just going to suggest if you got it readily available, we've made it a staple of this pod to go through that week's event and make our own DFS lineup. You want to go through it with me? Oh, that's a great idea. Let's make a, let's make a DFS lineup. Um, All right. You got the first pick. All right. Well, I'm going with my boy, Scotty Scheffler on DraftKings. He's well, 9,500. He's about the what ninth guy on the list right there, which uh, right between Billy Horschel and Cameron Champ, I, I still feel like, okay, it's a little expensive, but you're hardly breaking the bank and put your lineup over with Scotty Scheffler. So I, I'm starting with my guy this week. Okay, I like that call. I'm going to go with Aaron Wise, who I, I do think has a chance to be chalk, but I love that price tag at 7300 and uh, I'm just going to fit him in for now. Yeah, my favorite low-priced guy. Man, is he low-priced. I love how low Scott Harrington is this week. 38, 40 years old, 42 years old. I don't, I don't know his exact age. In any case, he's, he's an advanced age for a PGA Tour rookie. We all know the story. His wife battled through cancer. She's doing much better now. Uh, he is going to be a really good story to watch on the PJ Tour this year. And I think he's going to contend for at least a couple of titles out there. And I think this could be the one where uh, playing in the desert, he plays a lot out in Scottsdale in that area. Uh, I think this is right up his alley at 6,500. I love Scott Harrington this week. Okay. I love that. That leaves us a lot of salary. And I'll, I'll go with someone right in the range. We have uh, 8,900 per player left. I think we both love Co-Crack this week and uh, 
I think he can really get it, start lighting it up in terms of par five scoring and uh, making birdies. So love Kokrak on DraftKings at 9,100. Who's your next pick? If we don't put Brendan Steele in this lineup, we're doing something wrong. Friend of the pod, 7,500. That's too low. He's in. All right. I love that call. You have 10,100. And oh, by the way, I know we don't like spending the full value, but there's a guy at 10,100. Yeah. Uh, he, he makes some cuts once in a while. Charles Howe is uh, actually someone I wanted to mention and uh, done a little digging. Uh, heard this. He has been one of the best golfers in January, which makes sense intuitively given how he plays. Uh, a guy that clearly is just a grinder, plays throughout the year, historically has been better relative to his average in January. So really like Charles Howe at 10-1. And uh, I think we have an awesome lineup here. Uh, definitely a mix of types of players and a lot of upside. So I found in Howell, in my column last week, my preview column for the Sony Open, I found that of the tournaments being played from January through the end of August, through the end of the playoffs, I went through all of them, and I looked at the career money leaders, the all-time money winners at each event. At every single event, the money leader, understandably, is a guy who has won that event at least once. And many times, you know, Tiger Woods has won an event six, seven, eight times, whatever the case might be. The only one who had never won the event was Charles Howell. And I put it on Twitter, I said, it's amazing that Charles Howell is the all-time money leader at the Sony Open, and I had him down for a top 20 finish at the Sony last week. He started out a little slow, but finished T12. I mean, that was like, it, it's like taking money. It's, it's just an easy bet, Charles Howell, for a top 20. Love him again for a top 20 this week. Oh, by the way, he's finished top 20 only three of the last four years at this tournament. So you've only got a 75% chance of hitting based on those numbers. Yeah, I had a bet on Howell as well, and boy, did I get lucky as hell. I had Charles Howell over Sung J.M. wins by one, and uh, yeah, looking back at the scorecard, Sung Jay made a seven on the par four 16th, so really ran hot there, but I was all in on Charles Howell last week. I thought he was a really strong play, specifically because of the January stuff and just you know with the wind and everything, I thought he really made a lot of sense at his price point. So I love Charles Howell. Our lineup to recap is Charles Howell at 10-1. Sky Scheffler at 9,500, Kokrak at 91, Brendan Steele at 75, Aaron Wise at 73, and Harrington at 6,500. Spending all the salary, uh, I think that's a really good lineup we just made. So I really like that. And by the way, speaking of DFS, I was in, in a small, I, I'm not playing Jennings type money lineups, but you know, I was in a, a, a tournament, a GPP, where I did not, even though I picked him to win in this specific line, I took Colin Morikawa almost everywhere, and I just didn't have him in my best lineup right. Kisner, and I had Cameron Smith, and I had Graham McDowell. It was it was a nice lineup. Otherwise, and I was in ninth place with a couple holes left to play, and I'm, okay, I'm, I'm cashing some money. No big deal. All of a sudden, Colin Morikawa bogeyed, three-putt bogey, the last hole from five feet away. I mean, all of a sudden, he just looked like he wanted to get out of there, and the putter wasn't working. He bogeys. Everybody in front of me had Colin Morikawa. I shot up without doing a thing. I shot up from ninth place to third place and made myself some extra money based on Colin Morikawa's bogey, ironically, from the guy that I had picked to win last week. Wow. Yeah, that Morikawa miss actually helped me quite a bit. And that was an ugly, ugly three-putt from uh, Morikawa. But it is what it is. Uh, he has a bright future in front of him. And yeah, it just seems like a great guy. Uh, the future of golf is going to be awesome. And with that, let's let's transition into some futures. I think uh, one thing a lot of people right now are looking at are these major futures. Well, we'll go through the big names and we can talk some more long shots, but some interesting pricing here uh, on majors. Uh, tell me which side you, you would like, and then I'll give my opinion. Will Rory McIlroy win a major in 2020? Yes is plus 250. No is minus 350. Where are you going with that? 
Well, I sure as hell am not betting no at minus 350. I mean, that just seems like a sucker's bet. Who, who wants to spend the next few months rooting against Rory McIlroy to win a major? I, I definitely don't like that. I'd probably stay away. The plus money isn't quite enough to get me too excited. I do. I mean, look, first of all, I think Rory will win a major at some point very soon. That said, the one of my biggest pet peeves for golf media is when you get a bunch of people together, happens on that uh, that channel that covers golf. I, I can't remember the name of it, but they get uh, a bunch of their panelists together and they talk golf for a while. And they say, hey, how many majors do you think Rory wins this year? And they go, oh, I think he'll win two. Okay, how about Brooks? Oh, Brooks is going to get one. What about DJ? He'll get one. Oh, how about Tiger? Oh, maybe two for Tiger this year. And they go through the list. And next thing you know, they've they've plotted out 27 majors for the <laughs> 2020 season. You go, you guys understand that there's only four of them, right? Like those guys can't all win major championships. And so one of my biggest pet peeves, and I really want to make sure that I don't do that here. Obviously, they can't all do it. And obviously, you're going to lose money if you do that, unless you happen to back some real long shots and they wind up coming through for you. So yes, do I think Rory will or at least can win a major this year? Absolutely. Do I like him at... 250, I I still would probably stay away. That's not enough to get me too excited. Okay, I'm going to take the yes on that one at plus 250. I love Rory this year. I'm not saying anything uh, new. I I thought he was by far the best golfer last year. Didn't win a major, but won the players and uh, had one of the best statistical years. You know, basically a Tiger-esque year. He was a top 10 machine, and uh, I think Rory gets it done this year. Next one is Brooks Kepka, who has the same exact odds. I'll just start it off. I would take the no at minus 350 and just basically go against the trend that we saw. Uh, you know, he shows up at majors. He's won there. I'll take some regression uh, on Brooks Kepka. I think there's a lot of stayaways in these, but of all the no's, Brooks Kepka here probably is my favorite. And I know the narrative. He really picks it up. And I, I know he's training specifically for the majors and probably mitigates pressure better than any golfer out there. Uh, but still, minus 350 with how great the tour is, I will take no on Brooks Kepka. Totally with you on that. And, and a couple of things here. First of all, it's a law of averages. I mean, Brooks Kepka is not going to win one or two majors every single year for the next 15 years. It's just at some point, he's just going to go a year or two without winning a major. And I would think that this could be the year. That said, uh, I'm not betting minus 350. Uh, you know, I'm not that confident in it. Uh, and again, the a couple of the cores, we're going to see Wingfoot. For the U.S. Open, we're going to see Harding Park for the PGA Championship. These are courses where you can't really overpower them. These are going to be ball striker type courses, even though the U.S. Open has changed. The U.S. Open has completely changed over the last few years where it's been DJ and Kepka and Gary Woodland. All of a sudden, your big bombers, guys that can muscle it out of the thick rough, are the guys who have the best chance to win. I just think that they're going to scale back Wingfoot. Not that Wingfoot won't be unbelievably tough, but I just don't think it's going to play into the hands of the big bombers as much as the last few of them have. So yeah, I'm fading Kepka as well. Okay. We're on the same page there. This next one is very intriguing. Will Tiger Woods win a major in 2020 plus 500 on the yes minus 800 on the no. Uh, Most of these in general, you're probably better off just waiting till the actual tournament. Uh, There's obviously a, a lot of hold here. There's a, you know, big discrepancy. Um, but on Tiger, he has really short odds basically every tournament because he's Tiger. If you're a big Tiger fan, I actually think this is not an awful value at plus 500. So what are your thoughts on this one? No, I mean, look, if you're doing this, if you're doing this because, hey, you're a pro and you're trying to make money, this is, you know, man, plus 500. 
doesn't seem like, I feel like there are other things you can make money on a little bit easier than betting Tiger to win a major this year. If you're saying, hey, I'm a big Tiger fan. I want to put a few bucks on Tiger and be able to root for him for four straight months. Go ahead and absolutely. I think that's a decent number to get Tiger at. He's got a chance at uh, basically every major he tees it up in. By the way, Peter, I love and I'm filling out these OAD pools right now, the one and dones. And I know that a lot of people like taking the best players, the major championships. I like spreading it out a little bit. If you've got guys who are the elite players and you want to kind of move them over and slide them away, you know, if you don't want to take Tiger and say, okay, well, I can't use defending champion at the Masters. Well, I've got to take Tiger at the Open or the U.S. Open or the PGA. No, you don't. Tiger Woods at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I'm saying right now on the pod, he gets number 83 at Bay Hill. Oh, by the way, where I happen to play golf today. Oh, how'd you shoot today? I shot just a little bit higher than Tiger's win number is going to be when he gets there in March. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds about what I would shoot plus a couple more was what I, I'd, I'd have a nine in front of my my thing. It's probably tough conditions. Uh, here's another one. And I guess my Tiger thing is I think it's a stay away. But if you are going to do it, I don't hate it. I think his best chance by far is going to be the Masters every single year going forward, just given the shortened field. And the problem with the Masters is Tiger's always going to be juiced up. So if you're a huge Tiger fan, uh, I don't hate this, and I, and I do think Tiger is primed for a really, really good year. Looks healthy and just has a lot of things uh, going in his direction. It's just a really, really deep PGA Tour, and uh, that, again, steep price here. Uh, will John Rahm win a major? Plus 350 on the yes, minus 500 on the no. Give me all that plus money. I, that's, I am, that's your guy, huh? I'm all in on John Rahm right now. I think that... By the end of the season, by the time the FedEx Cup playoffs roll around, we're through all four majors, we're going to be sitting here having a conversation about whether John Rahm is the best golfer in the world. And I, I don't know that he'll necessarily be number one in the world ranking. I don't know that he'll necessarily be the prohibitive favorite in any field in which he tees it up, but he's at least going to be in the conversation. I think that it might be Rory and JT and John Rahm is the three. And if you look at it over the last six, eight, 10, 12 months, and you look at the best players who have played the most consistent golf, the combination of elite play and consistency, it's those three guys. And I don't see any reason why that won't continue over the next six to eight months. And I think John Rahm is just about as good as anybody else out there. Rory might have another gear, but I, I think John Rahm, all the things about, oh, well, he's got a temper on the golf course and he can't handle this and he can't do John Rahm's got everything you need to go out there and win big time championships and I think it starts happening for him very very soon all right I like that I, he's the other guy that I would uh, take the yes on if I had to, to pick out of this group I like Rory and Rahm to have awesome years uh, there's also some out there on Dustin Johnson Justin Thomas Xander Shoffley who I really like yeah. uh, there's some interesting futures out there so definitely take a look I think DJ is going to be underrated in DFS this year relative to the other big guys. I think the injury really hurt him. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here on the upcoming uh, season? Obviously, we're already in the you know the swing of things here. Uh, you know, in the 2019, 20, or 2020 season, I should say. Uh, any final thoughts or predictions, uh, Sobel? Just that I can't wait for everything to to continue moving on. I mean, I was fired up for the Century Tournament champions at Kapalua a couple of weeks ago, and then. Even so, that's only like a little taste. Like you don't get everybody, you get a small field event. You're like, man, I want more. I want more. I want to I want to bet some underdogs. And then we get the Sony open this past week. I'm like, all right, my wheelhouse this is what I like. Now we're going into the desert. Uh, I'm telling you, and I, I hope that there are a lot of people out there listening and say, you know, I bet golf a little bit. I like golf and I'm going to start getting into it a little bit more. For those of you 
who aren't necessarily diehards, who listen to the Action Network podcast, who have been keyed in on everything we do in football and the NBA and all the great work that so many of our content providers have done over the last year. I'm telling you, stick with the golf stuff. It's as much fun as you can have following a sport as there is. There's so much out there, Uh, whether you're betting guys outright, whether you're betting matchups, whether you're playing DFS. I promise, maybe not this week, but I promise at some point, we will get a few right. We will help you out and you will have more fun. I mean, hey, look, there's four days in every single golf tournament. There's seven days in the week. More than 50% of the days, there's golf being played. You might want to get in on that if you like a little action. Well said, Jason, and I'm so stoked for the year. I'll make one push for DraftKings. Uh, DFS as a whole has remained somewhat flat, but the golf contests are growing exponentially. You can play for the whole week. You can play day by day with their showdown slates. Uh, Just so much fun. There's going to be millionaire makers for the majors, and uh, I'm anticipating the growth of DraftKings golf to, to really skyrocket this year. Now they're actually partnered with the PGA Tour, so we should see more and more stuff out of DraftKings and should be a lot of fun. Uh, Specifically this week, I think there's some really nice tournaments that I was looking at. Uh, You know, we have some great prize pools as always. But one nice thing with golf specifically, if you're not like a hardcore person but want a little bit of a sweat, these low dollar buy-ins that they have, uh, for instance, they have a $325,000 tournament, $5 to enter, $100,000 to first. Uh, If you want to go up in higher stakes, you can play the 444, uh, $200,000 pressure putt. There's just a ton of really, really good contests. Of course, you can go all the way up to like the 5k thunderdome uh but it's a lot of fun hope you guys enjoyed this podcast he's jason sobel i'm peter jennings good luck this week we're finished talking